Welcome back to Paradigm Run. I'm your host, Mark Barrios. I hope you enjoyed the introduction to Vern's story last week. This week, we're going to take an in-depth look into the man that Vern is, his roots, his love and connection with the natural world, the special bond man and animal can share with one another, and Vern's difficult decision to leave the military behind in pursuit of the unknown. You know, there's something unique about the unknown. Our ego consciousness, however, tends to favor the known. We tend to move in today's day and age solely with planning, preparation, and expectation for the direction of our lives and the future ahead. We do this so much so we remove ourselves from the spontaneous, free-flowing form that life actually is. Life has its own flow, its own direction, its own evolution, on the grander scale, but also for each of our personal lives as well. We as humans have the ability and free choice to participate with it or not. We can fight and force our agendas, or we can flow. But if we choose to participate with this free-flowing grace of life as it actually is, what we discover, within it lies infinite possibility. We discover a place outside the pressures to conformity and the conditioning endured all our lives, wherein we begin to uncover the truth and authentic nature of just who it is that we are meant to become. Our ego tends to favor the safe and secure path for our lives, but the deepest expression of who we are, it wants to embrace life to the fullest. It wants to take chances, to take leaps into the unknown. And even if we fail, well, these are only those beautiful moments of rebuilding. It is where we discover our capabilities, yet also our limits. And these are but moments along the path of individuation, of coming to the self-realization of who it is that we truly are. We each have a unique path to walk on this wild journey that is life. Let's take the chances, take the leaps, and give our souls the chance to soar. I hope you enjoy. Here's episode two, Vernon Miller and the Sweetest Girl. Vernon Miller was one tough Florida boy who stood up for those in need, loved hard, and wasn't afraid to wear his tender heart on his sleeve. It's a rare thing these days for a man to be both badass and in tune with his feelings. You usually get one or the other, too masculine or a complete feminization of man. Vern was medium height, always with an athletic build, dark brown hair, dark brown eyes, and a dark thick beard grown after he left the military, represented who he is inside and out. He often wore a ball cap to protect his forehead and eyes from the sun he spent so much time in, and long-sleeved hiking shirts and pants to protect himself from those intense Florida mosquitoes. Upon first meeting, you'd never know he had a tattoo, but they extended from his chest down to each wrist and each ankle. Vern had a calm, reserved demeanor, yet a hidden element of free-spirited nature lived within. It fought hard to come out considering his Catholic and conservative upbringing, but he would one day come to embrace the totality of the man that he is. Realizing and then letting go of our conditioning is something we will all have to battle if we wish to give freedom of expression to our soul. Vern was an introverted feeler with the function of intuition following close behind. He had several good friends, but after an evening of social stimulation, he was one who would disappear into nature, which he loved so dearly to be one with his solitude. After all, he was an only child and often said, a blade of grass is worth four hours of fun. 
Camping, fishing, canoeing, and running his 17-foot John boat with a 60-horsepower tiller motor, a pulling platform, and a push-pull to go along with it were his favorite things to do. Without the bulkiness of a steering wheel and console, he would go out to his favorite spots on the water in the evening and lay out his sleeping pad in the center of his boat to gaze at the stars as he drifted to sleep. Vern never liked the idea of spending thousands of dollars on navigation systems either. Life is a lot more fun when you get lost and discover your own way, he would often mumble to himself. Vern would travel to the Everglades several times a year. This was a home away from home for him. There is something about being out of phone service, deep in Mother Nature. Everything we need you provide, we just have to take care of you. Vern always talked to the trees in the water, but little did he know the symbolic value of water, which was ingrained in his path. He was in tune with nature, which he learned from his grandfather, Jimmy Miller. Jimmy, the main man who raised Vern, was a farm boy his entire life, career as a train conductor aside. Jimmy had forearms the size of most men's thighs, and when Jimmy was just a boy, he traversed the depths of the forests and lakes, fishing and hunting to put food quite literally on the table for his family. Ancestors pass on to us traits, whether we accept this or not, and Vern needed his time in the salt water, the rivers, and the woods to compensate for the modern world as it is. Vern in his solitary ways was one who saw his own introverted reflection in his childhood heroes. Grandfather aside, he saw the isolated, reserved, self-healing, and dark heroic nature of Wolverine from X-Men. He also saw the Ninja Turtles, living in the underground depths and surfacing only when called to fight. Childhood likes and heroes tell you a lot more about your true nature than one would think. His grandfather Jimmy passed from cancer when Vern was only 18 years old and about to ship off to the military a few short months later. This was a trying time for Vern. During basic combat training, he would suppress the much-needed grievance until Sundays, wherein he would take the one-hour time allotted for religious services, and there you could have always found him grieving and sobbing in the corner of a church somewhere. The military had called to Vern when he was in high school. He gave college a shot for a few semesters, honoring an agreement with his angel of a mother, Maria Miller, and also his prick of a father, Dominic Alejandro. But at the end of that year, a classroom simply could not contain his soul. He needed more than the monotony and the soul-crushing environment that modern education is. Vern served for eight years in the U.S. Army, deploying to both Iraq and Afghanistan. Vern was a seeker in this life, not having the slightest idea what he was actually seeking or even how to find it. He consistently felt there was something more to life, though, an otherworldly dimension, if you will, a thing, an object, an essence, outside of the five senses, but present within the world. He had no clue how to discover such a thing. Nonetheless, he always saw it. Although he started his military tenure off as a military police soldier, he ended it as an investigator for the United States Army Criminal Investigation Division. A life of investigations bridged well with his inner and outer worlds, investigating the outer world by day and the inner world by night. Investigations allowed a freedom of independence due to the solitary nature of the work. Vern was fascinated by the inner workings of the mind and human behavior. Following thousands of interviews and interrogations he conducted worldwide, he soon came to study psychology and took a great fascination in it. It's interesting how life shapes us and somewhat paves the way for what is to come. Vern didn't have the slightest idea, but he would one day come to descend to the psychological and spiritual depths of his own. He served well and received numerous awards during his duty of eight years, but staying in the military was too obvious for Vern. He would have served for 20 years, 
received a retirement check, settled down in Florida somewhere and lived his retired life fishing the salt water outside of a small town. Sounds amazing, sure, but Vern sought more. He wanted to be challenged, to be tested. Vern sought the unknown. He left his career behind and separated from the U.S. Army. Vern reflected on a previous journal entry he made when deciding to leave the military. He wrote, When the moment becomes too comfortable, wherein everything is known or can be expected, is the moment death begins to settle in. There in that comfort, we begin to live a life which was never ours. When I feel this, it means it is time to go. There's always something new in the unknown. Other than a high school sweetheart, which lasted for nearly five years, Vern never really found a special one for quite some time. He enjoyed dating one woman at a time, but it was quite rare if one were to last longer than a few months. He would get bored, discover a cheating lady while working late nights or while he was gone with the military, or things would become too obvious for him. He was never really the type who wanted the white picket fence with a large family and a nine-to-five job. So aside from his mother, Marie, his grandmother, Lucia Miller, who Vern did love dearly, there was, however, one other girl in his life. Poppy, the largest female black Labrador you have ever seen. Poppy weighed in at a lean 104 pounds and had the softest, velvet-like ears you have ever felt. She weighed that much even with Vern trail running her, going for 10-mile hikes, and also going swimming for hours in any body of water they would come across. These two were companions destined to be. Vern, a solitary man in this life, and she, a solitary pup who loved to lay in the grass and sniff the gentle breeze more than run with the other dogs was a relationship created before it became a reality. There was a level of trust with one another wherein Vern never had to leash her, even without training her to do so. They've swam in oceans, rivers, and lakes together. They've trail ran, hiked, and canoed with each other. They've fished, camped, and shared grilled meat with one another. This was a companionship Vern never knew could exist until it did. Poppy was with Vern in the military, wherein his grandmother Lucia would always watch her if Vern had to leave for work or deployments. But in 2014, when Vern separated from the army and moved back to Florida, the first thing he did was take himself and Poppy on more camping trips than most people take in a lifetime. They were free and played as if there was no tomorrow. As time went on though, Vern realized she was slowing down a little more as she was an eight-year-old lab now. One day while running through a wooded forest, he looked down and didn't see Poppy. She was walking behind him. Vern called to her. She gave a little trot but started walking again. Vern tried one last time and yelled out, Come on, sweet girl. Poppy just stared at him. Vern contemplated her age for a moment as he jogged back towards her. That's all right, girl. We'll slow it down from here on out. Poppy never ran again, but she did maintain healthy hikes and a swimming regimen in the nearby salt, rivers, and lakes chasing duck. As the years progressed, she entered her retirement days around the beautiful age of 12 when they begin to truly slow down. How precious these moments then become. They still never stopped exploring, though. They would take longer backroad drives instead of hikes, but the walks through the woods still existed. Vern and Poppy would simply slow down and sit in the grass from time to time and witness the world go by. Vern could never forget the way her nose would turn to the wind and take it all in. Vern found himself with his journal again one afternoon and began writing. The walks become somewhat slower and shorter with time, but every moment has a little more value. In some mysterious way, the time becomes increasingly special, slower, deeper, more meaningful. 
Three more years elapsed of subtle, gentle living, and Vern's dear pup Poppy was now fifteen years old, and her hind legs were slowly weakening with age and time. Mentally, Poppy was as she'd always been, though, a mix of puppy playfulness and the wisdom of an old wise woman alive within her. While her mind and spirit never wavered, her hind legs and joints continued to assume their course under her lean but large 100-pound frame. Besides working, Vern spent much of the last six months tending to Poppy. Every day, as Vern put Poppy's bowl of water and food on her stand, her hind legs would sink lower and lower to the floor, her joints giving out, no longer able to support her. As things progressed, Vern would kneel behind her and hold her hind end up while she ate or drank. Poppy was not too keen on eating or drinking while lying on the floor, but it soon came to that. But Vern would sit down wherever she was, slide her bowl to her, and he'd enjoy his own breakfast alongside her. Vern then looked into her eyes one morning and saw something different, though. He was not sure what it was, but he asked within, Is her time getting close? He became accustomed to lifting her hind end up whenever she was ready to get up. It would take a moment for her legs to regain their steadiness, and Vern would balance her, and once balanced, well, she was walking like she always had. Poppy just needed a little bit of rhythm in her step, and her and Vern were walking the yard. When Poppy maintained that rhythm, she would always go directly for the jungle of plants and trees in Vern's backyard. Vern would watch as her eyes would light up with smells, and Vern would drop a tear in happiness to still see her young heart at work among her old gray hairs and body. Poppy would get consumed by a scent, and there she would stand sniffing away as his old hind legs began to sink to a full seated position. But even there, with those old joints going out, she would simply sit and smell. Poppy knew she could hardly get up on her own, so she would shoot a glance back to Vern with that big old happy face dogs know how to do. Vern could hear it in Poppy's eyes. Dad, come pick me up. I need to go smell more. Vern would oblige and the two would continue around the property, often taking breaks to lay in the grass next to one another while they took the world in around them. As the weeks progressed, Vern knew her time was getting closer though despite her having a sharp mind and no presence of pain. But Poppy hit a point where she could no longer get up on her own at all. Fern picked her up nearly 20 times a day. She'd walk on her own, but her hind legs were giving out sooner and sooner, and she began to fall quite often. She even began to fall while urinating, and Vern would jog to her and hold her up while she finished. Tears would now run into Vern's beard as he knew the time grew near. When she fell now, she would sit with that happy girl face just looking for Vern though. Fern would walk over to her, kneel beside her, whispering as he bent down, I'm here. I've got you. You're my girl. Vern spoke to Poppy one day and asked, Am I holding on too long? She would look back at him with a curious eyebrow raise. Vern smiled and said, Your mind is still sharp as a razor. Not yet. Tending to Poppy's needs was a lot, and Vern knew he'd make the call when it was time. But for now, he would treasure every sweet and precious moment. The two were inescapable companions, and Vern was a strong man who at this time worked remotely from home, and he had no problem lifting her up all day long. Vern fell asleep this evening and recorded the following dream which came in the middle of the night. He recorded, I saw Poppy, Cowboy, my mom's old dog, and Roxy, my grandmother's old dog, standing at the end of my driveway together. They all looked happy, and I knew they were about to run free down the road together. He woke up there. Vern knew her time could be down to days after a dream such as that, so he lifted her in the truck and took her to the lake this evening to do as she pleased. Ten minutes in, Poppy took a step, but then she collapsed down. She could no longer stand on her own anymore, 
but Poppy was so damn eager for the smells that she awkwardly crawled for a minute, just to keep sniffing the world in around her. Fern would lose himself in the tears for a moment as he watched her sharp mind work despite her failing body. Fern went running to her to help. Poppy stopped trying and her gentle eyes looked up to Vern's, saying she needed the help. Vern stroked her soft fur and stared deep within her eyes, and then he saw what he had seen once before. He finally saw and felt it as if she herself sent words from her soul to his. I'm tired, Dad. The tears immediately began to fall and Vern knew in that moment, deep in his being, she had lived the fullness of her life. Her eyes had said it all. Vern whispered to her, I'm here. I've got you. I love you, Pop. Fern scooped her large frame up in his arms and carried her back to his truck. They stopped on the way home to get her favorite meal, a double cheeseburger, wherein she gobbled it down. Vern looked to her in the truck and asked, It's time, isn't it, my girl? She looked back to him, tired and panting, no longer with a curious eyebrow raise. Vern awoke the next day and made the dreadful call to the veterinarian and scheduled a home visit for later in the evening. Vern went to the pasture where Cowboy and Roxy lay and dug the hole. He went out and purchased another of Poppy's favorite cheeseburger, a six-pack of beer, and a huge ribeye steak for them to share together. Vern was modest with the beer, but whenever a beer bottle was around, Poppy would stare at it with drool stringing from her jaws. She loved her beer. She and Vern shared two cheeseburgers and a beer for lunch. The tears streamed continuously on this day. At one point, Vern found Poppy asleep, and he used that time to write a poem to her, which he nearly lost himself in among the tears. Poppy awoke and Vern helped her outside one last time. Vern saw her nose lift to the wind and inhale the world as she lay in the grass with Vern at her side. As dinner time came, he cooked the ribeye, a nice medium rare, and Vern and Poppy shared the salted meat over another beer as she lay on the floor. Poppy looked as if she was in heaven despite the heaviness that had now set into her eyes. They finished their meal and Vern asked if she wanted to hear what he had wrote for her, to which Poppy's eyebrows did that curious puppy raise among her 15-year-old frame one last time. Vern retrieved the poem, laid in front of her, kissed her cheek, and told her, This is for you, Poppy, the sweetest girl. Vern read aloud to her. Fifteen years old, one hell of a life. A wanderer from the beginning, always on your own, in solitude like me. But we came together, a bond I never fathomed. Do you remember us swimming? In the salt, the rivers, and the lakes, not a care in the world, or for anyone's sakes. Oh, I remember your first snow. You ran outside, you stopped and you stared, and then you dove and you rolled. Seven years old, you stopped in the pines. I knew then your trail-running days were behind. But we never ceased exploring. We moved into slower and longer hikes. I will never forget watching your peaceful face as you put your nose to the wind sniffing and inhaling like the wild animal you are. Do you remember that evening? You sat on the roots of a beautiful oak. I encouraged you on, but you wouldn't have it. I looked around and saw what a lovely spot this was, to sit down among the forest and take it all in. You taught me to slow down, to move through the world with eyes more aware, a soul more alive. In a fast-paced world of doing, you helped teach me how to be. I am forever grateful for you. As the years ran on, the walks became a little slower, nonetheless ever more meaningful.
You are the representation of love, of pure joy in this life. The bond between man and animal is unique. Words do not need to be. Only presence is needed as we move through this life. I will be sad, and I will cry when you go. This is okay. This sorrow is mine to bear. It is only through it that I know our greatest joy. Death is but a change of form, and I have just dreamt of you, running free with the dogs of our family, who have since passed. I now know it is your time. I will no longer hold back. I will honor you in the life we share. I love you, my pup. You are the sweetest girl. The early evening began to settle in, and a knock came at the door. Vern knew it was time. Together the veterinarian and Vern walked into the living room, and Vern sat next to Poppy, stroking her fur. The seasoned veteran said, upon first look at Poppy, It is her time. I can see it in her eyes. A confirmation Vern needed to hear. Vern locked in with her eyes and whispered softly, I love you, sweet girl. The veterinarian injected the solution into Poppy, and Vern stayed with her eyes until death came over. Vern leaned forward, kissed her cheek, and whispered with a cracked voice, Godspeed, my girl. Please be with her on the journey. She's a very special one. Vern laid Poppy to rest, facing east, for the rising sun to come. He set the poem rolled up with a ribbon alongside her. He placed the last shovel of dirt over her grave right at the end of sunset. He put his weight on the shovel and said aloud, I love you, Pop. I'll be back later to have a whiskey for you. Vern showered and poured a stiff whiskey on the rocks. At 10.30 p.m., Vern found himself sitting next to her grave, speaking to her as if she were still here. He bid her farewell and said to her, Our souls are connected. They always have been, and they always will be, my dear. Vern turned his eyes to the sky and to the tops of the trees and whispered to that other dimension. Thank you for her. I could have never imagined my life without her. You did a special thing bringing us together, and I just wanted to say thank you. She was so very special, and I know you are aware of this too. Maybe you could give her energy something cool to do in her next life. I don't even know why I ask such things sometimes. I'm aware you know exactly what you are doing, but may I ask? Would you please just welcome her in wherever she goes with warm arms? Vern bowed his head as his beard glistened with the tears in the soft moonlight. As Vern walked back towards his house, something hit him as he was closing the pasture gate, wherein he thought, Hmm, it doesn't feel right to close it tonight. I'll leave this open in case you want to come visit in my dreams, Pop. Vern trusted the feeling and left the gate wide open, which he had never done. Vern drifted to sleep and before he knew it, he found daylight coming in through the window. Vern made a strong coffee and began walking out back to say hello and farewell to Poppy this morning. As Vern walked through the open pasture gate and onto the trail out back, there something lay which made him stop in his tracks. Vern saw a white baseball laying exactly in the center of the trail. Vern knelt and looked at the baseball with inquisitive eyes. He saw the dog teeth and dentions all over it, and the smell of dog slobber emanated from it. Vern looked at his watch and thought within, It's been ten hours since I was last out here. Are you telling me there was a dog out here in the past ten hours? Vern looked around imagining a neighborhood kid hitting a baseball into the pasture. But Vern knew his neighbors and knew no such kid was ever around. Vern began looking all around with the baseball in hand. He had never seen another dog in his pasture, and especially not one in the neighborhood who carried a baseball around in its mouth. 
Vern froze for a moment and drifted into daydream that a local dog sensed the spirits of Poppy, Cowboy and Roxy, running free among the pasture. Vern smiled and spoke to that other dimension again, saying the words, You left this for me, didn't you? You wanted me to know that she was okay and that you heard everything I said last night. Vern smiled with the tears at the thought of another dog running through the green field with the spirits of Poppy, Cowboy, and Roxy in the late hours of the night. Coffee in hand, Fern walked to Poppy's grave and spent the morning talking to her. He finally stood up and began to walk away. He looked back once more and whispered, I miss you, Poppy. You're the sweetest girl. How do we know when the time is right to let our precious pets go? This is a personal journey for each, combined with the needs of our lovely pets. It is beyond a difficult task of life, but I believe the more suitable question we should be aware of, when is it not the time? I say we let them go when they are ready, never to hold on with our ego desires forefront, but to listen to the way in which they communicate to us through their behavior, their body, and their eyes. May we then listen within. The wisdom of such moments lives within each of us and them too. Feel your way into it. Listen intently. Trust your intuition. And most of all, love them deeply. And whenever the time should come, may we allow the darkness of sorrow the life it seeks. May we feel it to its depth, to invite it in to be one with it. Feeling the depth of each moment even the dark is how we heal. It is only through our healing that we may come to treasure and honor the time once shared, to cherish with grace. Healing grants us liberation, so we may then come to love and remember in peace. This is Paradigm Run. I hope you enjoyed. As always, more to come.